news, views, ideas, and hard truths. You're listening to the Insights Cans podcast. Great to have your company for another episode of Insight Cans one-on-one this afternoon. My name is John Reardon and we're here to delve into the minds and thoughts of Cairns people who put themselves out there in more ways than one. The ratepayers of Cairns reason will go be going to the polls on Saturday the 16th of March 2024 and is already building up to be the most anticipated election in modern times, possibly since Val Shear toppled Kevin Byrne back in 2008, which will be touched on very soon. And I'd like to welcome Councillor Brett Olds from Division 9. G'day, Brett. G'day, JR. Thanks for having me, mate. Absolute pleasure. Uh, you're at the northern end of, of the Cairns region, mate. You take in uh, Kawara Beach, Trinity Beach, Clifton Beach, Palm Cove and Ellis Beach. You sound more like a uh, tourism destination. Mate, I've got paradise. I definitely do. On the, on the Div 9 Council, there's a little part of Trinity Park in there as well, just around yeah. the bottom of Earl Hill, right. Coastline Parade. But yeah, no, it is. It's I grew up there since I was 12 years old. I've got four kids of my own. Uh, one's left and is at uni. Um, but they're growing up on the beaches. I, I love being the beaches guy there. And I, you know, I think people see that. I clearly have a passion for it. I want to live there. And I better throw it out. A lot of people are speculating, like, I'm going to run for mayor next year. I'm not. I'm running for Division 9. I love my job. I'm home every night with my kids. And I've still got stuff I want to get delivered out there where I live and play. The reason people are asking if I'm running for mayor is because I put my hand up last week, and we'll get into why I did that a bit later if you like. But, yeah. No, thanks for having me on the show. Well, you are. That, it's a pleasure, mate. Uh, you're heading into your third term. Yeah, I've been there for two terms now. It's uh, The first term, I came out of nowhere. Um, I think when I first got in, the, the CEO at the time, Peter Tableau, pulled me aside and, um, and said, mate, you came out of nowhere. No one knew you were running until Australia Day. I only ran a seven-week campaign, but I worked my butt off. And he goes, we had polling done, and they suggested you'd only get 2% of the vote. And I said, well, that shows you how good polling is, doesn't it? But uh, I did, it was a big grassroots movement. I, I won the primary, and against four, there was four of us, and uh, I got 38 or 39% of the primary vote, and then second place got about 30, then it was 20 and 10 or something. And um, But I got a lot of the, the preferential votes, and I, I dominated that. It was awesome. And then last election, I only had one person running against me from the North Queensland State Alliance, a guy named Darius from Kawara Beach. And um, I don't think he put too much hard work in. I, I actually got 80, almost 87% of the primary vote. So I was, you never know how you're doing in a community un, until you hear hear about it and you get a review every four years. So let's find out how they, how they like me now because I, uh, I was pretty happy with my review last time. <laughs> I'll find out in March if they're still happy with me. So, of course, it is, it's a rate uh, payers election. Primarily, yes. So a lot of people forget that. They think they've got to go and vote on that Saturday, but it is ratepayers. How many ratepayers, and specifically demographic, is your is your area? I think there's um, residents, there's about 18 to 21,000 people per division that live there, but there's only about, I think, eight to 10,000 people that actually um, are eligible to vote. To vote, yeah. But you only ever get about 80% of them turn up. So I, I believe in Division 9 last year, uh, last election, about 8,300 or, or about 8,500 people actually voted. And um, yeah, so so it's people listening, if uh, if you're not familiar on the northern beaches uh, from Cairns, it's quite a narrow corridor to Port Douglas and the Daintree, of course. On the west, you've got the the Great Dividing Range, and then on the east, it's the Coral Sea. So it's quite a, a narrow stretch, Brett. Yeah, it and is. It's, it's you wouldn't say it's compact. 
No, it's well, you've got the highway that goes up the middle there. Yeah. And for half of my division, it's only one lane each way. And um, yeah, you've got some houses on the west side of the highway and some houses on the beach on the east side of the highway. And yeah, it's a, it's a pretty easy area to cover, though, so, as a candidate. So, what's your demographic particularly? Oh, we've got, um, we do have a bit of an older demographic there. Um, but I, I, I haven't seen the average age, to be to be quite honest. I looked at the average age of uh, Division 8 today because I was talking to a candidate from Division 8 and I think the uh, demographic there is only 41 um, in parts of Division 8. But I don't know. I think uh, it's a bit older in my in my area. Yeah. And I, they're a bit more conservative up there too. I think Palm Cove. Palm Cove has boomed in terms of permanent residents. Yeah, well, you've got a few people that come up from Victoria and New South Wales to retire in, in paradise, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but, yeah, so that, that helps to the ageing population. But they seem to like, I mean, I'm only a young guy, but I look old. You know, I've, I've had the uphill paper out both ways when I was a kid, so. So you've been, you've been part of the Northern Beaches for how many years? Uh, 34 years. Yeah, so I've, I lived out there, grew up there, you know, became a man out there, and then my kid's doing the same thing right now. So the first, the first time through, Brett, you came through as an independent. You yep. stayed in, as an independent. Absolutely. And... Coming up, uh, which is not too far away, the next uh, next election in March, you'll be an independent as well. Yeah, I think local government and local and councils only should be have independence. I've never been. I don't mind that there's teams because you're allowed to legally have them. Personally, I don't like teams at local government. So who you've got yourself as an independent? Kathy Seigler. independent. Um, I think Rob Pine's an independent. Yep. And, well, Amy Eden was went from Unity Team to an independent to now she's got Team Eden. Yes. So yeah. there are only three real independents out of uh, ten of us. So the, the gloves are off already. They're starting to spar. Oh, it's been it's been good to watch because usually I'm the one that comes out and says all the crazy stuff. Uh, but it's uh, it's actually been... Cathy's eye was in the paper with some pretty... She landed some blows this week. I was loving it. Well, you're not really labelled as a as troublemaker. You're more like that person who keeps the bastards honest. Yeah, well, that's what I try to be. Cause Which I always... we saw a lot of you last week with when um, uh, Terry became Deputy Mayor. You He went from Deputy Mayor to Mayor. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. sorry, uh, Deputy Mayor to Mayor. So you, you raised a point. Yeah, well, I think because um, the, they, they keep hiding behind the Act and the legislation says this, the legislation says that, and they're correct. It does say that. But the way Bob Manning left... And he know Bob Manning's many things, some of them positive, some of them negative, but one thing he is not is he's not stupid. He's been in local government a long time. He was the former CEO of Longreach. He's worked at the Port Authority, the yeah. airport. He yep. was 12 years as the mayor, and I can tell you he threw that local government act at me probably a 1,000 times over eight years. He knows the act. He knew the dates better than anyone. When he chose to leave, and people say, oh, and he hid behind, oh, it's a medical reason, I call bullshit, um, because he told everyone over a year ago, that he was going to leave. He told some councillors that he wasn't going to leave till after March so there wouldn't be a by-election and, and his mate could just get appointed uh, to mayor. And I, and I straight away blew my lid back then, but it didn't happen until three weeks out. And I didn't know this at the time. When I got told um, by Channel 7 I was getting interviewed uh, on the Friday morning when he resigned effective immediately. And, uh, and I said, it's, mate, it's probably a good thing because he hasn't been doing the job for a year and a half, two years. He's checked out. He told me personally with another councillor, this is why I don't mind saying this publicly because I've got evidence, I've got another councillor to back me up, um, that he shouldn't have run the third term. He did it for the wrong reasons. He just needed the money. And he said, um, he goes, you know, and I just don't care anymore. And I straight away jumped straight down his throat and said, if you don't care, mate, you need to go. You're getting paid really well to do a job. And if you're not going to do it, you need to go. And I've heard rumours you're leaving because he never told me. Bob never really confided to me. We butted heads from day one. We got along, had a good working relationship for a while there, but it really went pear-shaped last two years um, with everyone, not just with me and him. But um, I said to him, you need to go and I've heard rumours you're going. Uh, what's what's happening? And he, he said to me and this other counsellor, um, look, 
I, I am going to go. I'm just waiting on something, and then, I, and then I'll go after that. And I said, well, good. So when Channel 7 told me you're gone, I said, it's probably a good thing. We can all work together. And it wasn't, so that was the Friday. It wasn't until the Monday afternoon we all found out how it works from here. Because if it was December 16th, no issues. Uh, we just, because it's within three months of an election. I mean, we've got Christmas, you've got caretaker mode. There's not much that you really do um, over those months. I mean, you still got to be present. But um, because he left three weeks before that date, we had to appoint a new mayor, we had to appoint a new deputy mayor, and we have to appoint a new councillor to take over from whoever became the mayor. And I was just looking at it, and even the average person can see it that pays attention that's watching is, wait a second, old mate's just left, so his mate Terry, who was already a nominated candidate for mayor, if Terry hadn't nominated that he was running for mayor, I wouldn't have had an issue because he actually does a good job, he's done a great job as deputy mayor, and I wouldn't mind him, and he's been the acting mayor for a lot of time over the last 18 months. Yeah. So it's not a personal dig at Terry, but this is a dig at the whole way this went down. The mayor jumped into, uh, de- deputy mayor jumped into the mayoral role. He had a nominated running mate that he publicly said, Brett Moller's going to be my deputy mayor if he gets in too. And now he's jumped in just uh, yesterday. He's deputy mayor. In two weeks from now, we have to replace a Division 4 councillor. I'm not Nostradamus. I don't have a crystal ball, but I'm going to bet the House, JR, that um, the Division 4 unity candidate, Jeremy Neal, will be magically appointed as a Div 4 councillor, knowing nothing about the job, and that's no reflection on him. No one knows about the job until you get in there. He won't hit the ground running, but he'll be getting paid um, over after taxes about $6,000 a month to go on campaign and be the incumbent, a huge advantage in election. And I just think even though the Act says that you, that's allowable, I don't think that was the intention of the uh, Westminster system and the uh, the overarching principles. Yes. Now, Cathy Zeigler did put a recommend... Well, she put her hand up to become... Deputy. Deputy. Yeah. So I put, I put my hand up last week to become the mayor. Not that I wanted to. I asked Kathy. I said, would you put your hand up to become the mayor just as a fill-in because she doesn't want to be mayor? And she said, no, Brett, because if I do, they'll appoint someone in Division 3 and I'm creating my own competition. I said, oh, I can't understand. So then I asked Max O'Halloran. I said, you're retiring, mate. You're going. And you've been here for almost 12 years. You know the gig. Could you just step in as an interim? He said, no, nah, he wasn't interested. A couple of the other councillors asked Brett Moller. He wasn't interested. They said, no, nah, we're back in Terry. And so I said, if no one else, I told the media, if no one else nominates, I can't sit by and let this happen without at least calling it out. And uh, I said, if no one else nominates, I'll nominate myself. That's what I did. I nominated myself, uh, got the four votes. Uh, Terry got the five unity votes. He got in. Fast forward a week, we had a special meeting yesterday, Kathy Zyger, and she's always want, long wanted to be the deputy mayor. She put her hat in the ring and it went the exact way you'd expect. The four non-Unity members voted for Kathy Zyger, who's a more popular candidate than Brett Muller, actually. Like, Brett's a very good councillor too, and he's popular in Division 1, but he only got, I think it was, um, oh, I think it was about 4,000 votes, primary votes last election, about 62% of the primary Kathy Zyger got to over two thousand votes more than he got, so she's more she, you know she's more popular in her division. Obviously, she does a great job. She got eighty five percent of the primary. So I just thought Kathy's been there a year longer than me and Brett. Mm. Um, she deserves a shot, and it's only going to be the interim. Let's let the let's let the electorate decide who they're going to vote in next year, and uh, and so that's where I came from. That's where Kathy came from, and Rob Pine. Funnily enough. Uh, we don't see eye to eye on many things, you know. He's kind of over this side and I'm over that side. Uh, we, we do see eye to eye on some things, though, but um, he's fully on board. He goes, Brett, what you're saying is 100% correct. This this isn't, this isn't isn't how it should be, and that's why us people from different sides of the table are all agreeing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's good to see the three independents actually work together on that on that subject uh, or that matter and and just keeping the rest in line. So just not, okay, we're going to elect a deputy mayor today. Uh, Terry, 
put your hand up, you're it. It's not that process, really, is it? There is a, a correct way to do it, and you highlight, highlighted that correct way. Yeah, well, I said, yeah, well, I said, well, just put someone in the interim that doesn't want it because you're a nominated candidate, yeah. and now you're the incumbent. And to say that you don't have an inherent advantage by being there, it's, it, you've got your head up your ass if you believe that. It's a big advantage to be the incumbent, but you haven't earned it yet. Sure, and and sure. the thing is, they can say, well, Bob Manning, he, it was medical reasons he retired. He told way too many people he was leaving long before he did to fall back on there and say, oh, I didn't know. Like I said, he's many things, but he's not stupid. How much time do you spend at uh, council chambers on a daily basis? Oh, some councillors spend a lot of time there. I don't. I, um, I, I'm there every, I'm all day Wednesdays. We have our meetings in the morning, then workshops all day, all the councillors together. Mondays we go in before a, um, a meeting day and we catch up on what's been going on in Brisbane, Canberra with different director generals and ministers. Um, but I'm always out and about. Like today, I started my meetings in Quarra Beach. I was in Palm Cove. Then I've been in Cairns at different meetings and I was in in the office for about half an hour today only. So every day is different for me. Uh, some councillors will sit in there, you know, I don't know, five hours a day. I mentioned the, the Valshire topple of Ke- uh, Kevin Byrne back in 2008. Kevin Byrne was actually popping the champagne corks <laughs> on that Saturday morning, but he didn't realise there was an under, underground movement that was going to topple him. Yep. And that came from the Northern Beaches because he had actually neglected that part of the region. Yeah, some okay. time. Yeah. So Valshir came in. Um, he just didn't see that coming. I don't know if you remember that or not. No, I was living in the United States. I was in okay. Texas at the time with my wife. She's a Texan. Were you big in Texas like you are big here? I actually, well, funnily enough, I was pretty popular in, uh, in Rockwell, Texas. I, uh, I knocked out some uh, big guy one night who was... Uh, who was doing some rude stuff to a woman and uh, on a New Year's Eve and uh, there was an ambulance turned up for him, six cop cars turned up, I got arrested and then uh, I took it to court and when I went there, the judge said, welcome to Texas, we liked the way you Aussies do business. He gave me my bond, my $500 bond back and he apologised for getting arrested because I was standing up for someone, you know, But and then I was very popular in parts of Texas. They're like, I was only skinny back then, you won't believe it, I got photos, but uh, I was only a skinny guy with long hair and this dude was huge. He was like six foot eight and um, but he was being inappropriate and I just, I didn't like what he was doing and I thought I... Uh, I'll give my elbow to his jaw. You mentioned uh, jobs not completed that you'd like to complete before you finish your term as a councillor out at uh, Division 9 there. Just look back on the last three years already, what have been some of those big accomplishments for you? Oh, they, they actually, we've been really blessed with um, uh, things falling into, like, you work your butt off, but doesn't mean you always get, you always win, you know. You can be um, you can be active, but not productive. I've been really lucky this second term, especially a lot of the work I did in the first term has paid off, and we've been very productive. So footpaths, we've got so many footpaths in Northern Beaches. That was one of the first things I went to everyone and said, we need, because my kids are riding to school and it's so dangerous. Sure. They're yeah. crossing Poolwood Road, crossing Trinity Beach Road. I'm like, how other people's kids, you know, families should be worried here. It's like playing Frogger. And, um, but we've got a lot of footpaths put in. Uh, the biggest one is the Northern Beaches Leisure Trail. Now, I can't take credit for it. This has been a concept since the 90s, and it was the Manning Council, the first Manning Council that I wasn't on because I didn't run in 2012. Uh, they started in 2015 in Palm Cove. And that's the Northern Beach Leisure Trail is that three-metre path. It's going to go from Palm Cove all the way to Cairns. And um, they'd started in Palm Cove, but they got so scared because everyone, every t- every single suburb have put this in, the people have fought it. But don't cut down yes, trees. I, I, I find that rather strange how they their logic behind that, bread. Where, where's that coming from? Humans don't like change, um, but that's the one thing that's a guarantee in life. Is, always is there a bit of change. snobbery out there between the suburbs, perhaps? No, no, cause, the no, further yeah. north they go, the snobbier <laughs> they are. No, we're all nice out there uh, and we all play nice together. No, but the good thing about the Northern Beach community is that I don't think it's snobbery. They actually just care and love what they have 
and they're willing to fight for it and they'll come together and fight against development application stuff. But we've, we've knocked back a few big uh, development applications like the Cedar Road one recently. But the Northern Beaches Leisure Trail, they only did two metres at Palm Cove in 2015 because they were scared of the public, like getting so angry. And that's the biggest regret since then is it's got to be three metres. They're so well loved, so well activated. And the Deep Creek Bridge, which is going to be open in three weeks, December 20th, for practical completion, I've been personally fighting for that for years. Uh, the mayor and some of the uni team members uh, back in 2017 wanted to go around behind the Quarry Beach Resort. They were scared of getting into a, a legal fight. And I, I got um, Linda Cooper, Richie Bates and Jesse Richardson on side, but we were only four out of ten, so we didn't have the votes. And I ended up, I went and made a video and showed them this beautiful, iconic trail from Palm Cove to Clifton, then showed them, you on up Pixie Street, down Bat Street, up Undyne Street, down Hope Street, through a Melaleuca Forest, over three bloody um, uh, small little streams, mm. through the back of a Ken Frost development, which is like a tin can, you couldn't get a tin can through there, down through Chelsea Close, down Albatross Street, along Quarra Street, through a car park to a toilet, and it was about a 20-minute video, and at the end of it, and I said, and there's your iconic trail, what shit. And um, anyway, a week later, we all unanimously voted to go in front of Quarra Beach Resort, and even if we had to compulsory acquire, the day we said that, the Quarra Beach Resort came on board and worked with us and it's going to open in three weeks. So I would say that's the hardest project that I've had to personally fight to make happen. And um, But there's been others. We've fought flashing lights at, you know, at the um, shops there on the highway and it's, it's I don't know, it's, it's been a great eight years, you know. Social issues in Division 9? Um, in particular? Yeah, well, we've got some real bad graffiti going on there lately. And, you know, a few years ago, there was kids... I feel bad for a lot of the kids. They can't go anywhere. Like, when I was a kid growing up on the beaches, there wasn't as much developed land. We could go anywhere and have a party and not get shut down. You get a group of 10 or 20 kids anywhere now, the phone calls happen, the police come out, they break them up. And a few years ago, unfortunately, at a coastline parade, a guy walked out, sick of the kids, with a 4B2 and said, hey, you little bastards, get out of here. And um, the little bastards took the 4B2 off him and smashed crap out of him. And he ended up with a broken jaw, a wide jaw and everything else. So we've had some um, we've had some issues with wild parties and stuff, but I think we've got to find other places to give these kids an avenue to let off steam. They're, they've got hormones going ever. We all did it as kids. These kids these days on Northern Beaches, where do they go to, to, to let it off, you know? Skate parks and bike paths. Uh, you did have a premier golf course out there, Brett. Yeah, that was stage. that was one of the losses. I fought, I fought that. Um, you I thought, did actually cop a bit of flack from those who didn't want the golf uh, golf course remo- uh, removed. Yeah, but I was on their side and yeah. I spoke very passionately and thought I could win some other of the councillors over, um, because in essence we changed the planning scheme on the floor of council. And I'm like, you shouldn't be doing that. If you're going to change or amend a planning scheme, there is so much consultation that has to take place. They should have, if that's what we thought was the best development for that use of land. We just don't change out on the floor. Again, it's not illegal what we did, but that's what they did. They changed the planning scheme. So people who had set up their homes out there... Yeah, and, uh, and around Discovery Drive, they're not happy. Mate, you go out there now, and now there's been more approvals uh, for a six-storey building out on Golden Lakes. Go for a drive... And you're gonna you, you, if you can't see it, um, how bad it is now, and how much worse it's going to be with hundreds and hundreds. Like I'm not talking like 600 more residents out there. Yeah, that's like um, mm. oh, your times are by 8.1 car movements. And then a day. the caravan park on top of that, and then a water There's park. There's going to be thousands of visitors out that way. It's going to be jam packed. Yeah, and you're going to have a school there, and everyone has to come out that one little road to yep. get to the highway. Yep. It's it's such short sightedness, you know. Um, now that it's been approved, I, I you have to get behind it and hope for the best and hope that. And Darren Halpin actually um, is, is a good bloke, and he's honouring his word. What he said he would deliver, he is delivering. So you've got to give him credit there. I I have my bones, not with the developer, with the council that allowed it because developers are allowed to ask for whatever they want, but it's up to the states and the local governments to hold people to account, you know. And 
if it's within the planning scheme, I'm happy with it because everyone can read the planning scheme and they know, oh, what, what can I expect next door? Mm. Well, I can expect tourism, I can expect commercial, whatever it is zoned for. But when you just go flip that on its head after someone's, it's the biggest investment in most people's life is their house. And when you when you change in the way a suburb feels and looks, man, I've, you're, you're messing with people's lives. And I just think planners, they come out of uni and everything else and look at it and they're very smart at what they do, but they forget the human element. And that's what the elected council's for. And But a lot of the elected councils, especially when they're brand new and this was voted on, like after a month after yep, an election yep, four years yep. ago, they just, they just took their advice from some of the councils that... I don't know, maybe they've forgotten that human element. And that's why this next election, I don't care if someone's wearing a Unity team shirt, an Eden shirt, an independent shirt. Don't vote for someone just because they're independent or just because they're um, a team. Try and find people that are community-minded is my advice to everyone out there. If we get community-minded people on council, we'll work fine. We get people that forget about the community because that's who we work for. They're our bosses. And I have to remind people that all the time. I tried to get council to stop calling them customers. I said, you stop calling them customers because when you run, and I've run restaurants before, when you run a restaurant, you take really good care of your customers, that's great. But when the boss comes in, you treat them even better than your best customer. Absolutely. If we call them customers, it's in our mindset that they're customers. They're not. They're our, they're our bloody bosses. Absolutely. I just want to touch on your relationship, if I can call it a relationship, with the member for Barron River, Craig Crawford. <laughs> We've had some dust-ups. I just, you know, you don't I can, hold back. No, and I never have with, especially with elected people, because we should be held to, we should be held accountable. So when when I first started, I met with Craig and started trying to work with him. He got in about a year before me, mm-hmm. and um, so he wasn't a minister back then. And I tried to work with him on a few things, and we started off on the boat ramps, and it was going well. And there was a meeting we had together, and it was just, and all of us were there, uh, the boat ramp meeting, and everyone left, and I said, "Can I talk to you about a couple of things?" Because he'd made a video about crocodiles where he backed me up. He was at Ellis Beach. He made his own video. He goes, check my Facebook page out, um, counsellor. It's, it's really good. And he was saying the exact same thing I was saying about crocodiles is we need to do more about it, be more proactive, yeah, not reactive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then three days later, he changed the video and it was him and Stephen Miles, who was the um, Department of Environment guy at the time, the minister. And they were saying, oh, there's some rat bag. What do they call me? They call me a few names and said, these councillors up here don't know what they're talking about. And I said to him, I don't mind if that's what you believe but why did you make a video three days ago then change it to this video? And he goes, oh, Brett, they made me do it. And I said, who made you do it? And he goes, they flew me down to Brisbane and made me make that video because they're sick of you calling them out. And I said, well, you don't work for them, Craig. You work for the community. He goes, that's not how our party works. And right there, that was late 2016, early 2017, he lost me because I'm like, and and that's just my principle. His principles are, if I do what they tell me, I'll get rewarded. He sleeps at night because he knows he's doing a good job by what they're saying because he's a dual minister now, making, what, $300,000 a year. I'm like, that's not my mentality. That's not my mantra. And that's why when I joined the LNP, thinking they were different years ago. I wanted to touch on that. Yeah. And I've got it written down here. You actually said, stood up and said, you're not going to be a puppet. No, I'm not going to be a puppet. And when I saw how, and Warren, Inch, God bless his heart, let me work in his office two days a week and he didn't have to do that. I didn't like what I saw. I just think both major parties, some people say they're two wings of the same bird. I say they're two cheeks on the same ass, and they all spew the same stuff from the middle. And it's, um, and you can't be, you can't represent the, the regular, the people, and you can't be yourself in a major party. Unfortunately, so, it's a corporation. So I quit the party. I stopped working there. Yeah. Very yeah. disillusioned with the way the state and federal governments work. And um, I just thought, I'm just going to put all my energy into doing my job as Division 9. Are our local members puppets? Um, yeah, I would say that. I'd say Warren Ench does a better job at um, hiding it because, he, he, you know, occasionally he'll come out. He's been there long enough now. He can he can kind of come out and say more comments because he's been there so long. 
but no, I've, I've seen him get pulled up, come out there strongly with opinion here, and then I've seen some phone calls from the Prime Minister's office, and then he goes, he hushes. So, yeah, I would say um, unf- that's just the way state and go- federal government work sure. at the moment. Uh, but when you ask about Craig, you've had a few dust So after I yeah, lost respect yeah. for him, I, I would just call him out with his shortcomings and... Um, you know, I don't know, poor bastard. He gave me plenty of opportunities for a few years there. Yeah. But uh, I've got to say, in the last year or so, he he answers the phones. He'll come out and meet. He seems to be trying harder now. And I don't know if it's just he he's more confident with his place in cabinet and his place in there. I don't know whether it's because elections coming up and he's seeing that their government's on the nose. Whatever it is, I don't care. I've got to work with him. And I have always tried to work with him, even though I've never been afraid to call him out if I think he's doing something wrong. And he hasn't been afraid to call me out. He called me an amateur once on Twitter, but he spelled amateur wrong. So <laughs> so just just that point you make, that the state government is on the nose. I, th- I think we know that. We see that. We hear it all the time. Um, you know, it, the number one issue probably, the, the government will say it's... it's uh, it's the cost of living, but really beneath the surface, it is the crime situation in Queensland. How does that affect your electorate? Yeah, well, we, like I said, we're not just the graffiti, the kids bashing up people, um, there's drug use out there. We, there's a, it's not as bad as other suburbs. And that's what some people say to me with dog attacks and with crime is, well, it's not as bad as this suburb. I'm like, well, I don't care. I don't want to wait till it gets as bad as that one. Then when it gets that bad, it'll still be worse there. We need to nip this in the bud. I've talked to senior sergeants. I've talked to so many people like youth advocates that work in this space. There is only a cohort of 70 kids creating about 90% of all the, the issues here in Cairns and the police know who they are and these advocates, these, these, there's 36 organisations in Cairns alone that hire people that work uh, with itinerants, with homeless, with um, youth crime. They all know what the problem is. They don't want, I don't think, on, in the bottom of my heart, the, the police do want it fixed but the police have no power and they can't talk against the, the government because they lose their jobs. Yep. The, if the government wanted to fix this, they could fix it real quick and I'll give you evidence to back that up. Three years ago, two years ago, we saw when the government had the political will to shut down the borders, to keep people in their own homes, and you go to Victoria, you couldn't go more than a kilometre from your house for an hour. When there was the political will, whether you agree with that or not, happen, uh, you know, happening, that's not my point. My point is they wanted to shut things down. They shut it down real quick. When they, If they wanted to fix this juvenile crime problem, they could fix it in a week. I know they could. In Cairns, they know the 70 kids, they know where they live, and whether it's remote um, or rural relocation sentencing, I, I back that. Um, I don't back these more de- detention centres, or you can call them therapeutic centres if you want. Mm-hmm. They're just detention centres doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, especially for the cost. Is, is You're insane. So the government doesn't want to fix this problem. I don't know if the opposition wants to fix the problem either. I probably think the best thing that can happen next October is you have um, the Catters and a couple of independents having the balance of power and maybe we get some common sense. Well, something needs to happen, Brett, because it's not getting any better. Townsville is a war zone. It's, I haven't lived in Townsville. I've got friends down there, and it is. It's a nightmare down there. Again, this problem could be fixed. They reckon the cohort down there is about 90 or 95. So there was a period where... Kids would be getting on the buses and uh, and get a free ride from Division One right out to Division Nine. Yep. And cause absolute mayhem. And then get a free ride home. They don't pay for the ride either. No, exactly. Because of the Daniel Morecambe laws. So is that still happening? Not as bad as it was. No. And it, the other thing was there was um, you couldn't get bottlers in town weren't opening till later in the day. Yeah. And that was forcing some itinerants to come out to Smithfield and get Dan Murphy's out there. Their solutions are weak. Um, council are working to try and highlight where the, where the need is to have a wet centre potentially and do all these other things. Uh, we're not going to pay for them or do them. We're just looking for the answers to give to the state and saying, hey, you guys fix this. But 
like I said, I mean, I've, remote sentencing, um, the, the detention centres don't work, but let, let's try something different. You look at, we've got, out of our detention centres, it's a 92% recidivism rate. Yeah. So 92% of the kids that come out of Cleveland and Brisbane re, re-offend. There's, in Denmark and in other countries around the world, it's a 7 in Missouri as well, in America, it's a 7% recidivism rate. They've got really successful programs. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. Let's look at places doing it, um, doing it well and let's try and replicate that. Now, we might have the same cultural issues that our Denmark has, but Missouri, they've got a lot of same, the same kind of issues that we got. Let's look, let's look at who's doing it well and copy. It's not that hard. Why not? Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe change the police structure as well. Yeah, and, and nurses and cops, when there's an issue at hospitals or there's an issue with something, they can't speak out. Now, silencing people, I've never been a fan of that. I'm a big believer yep. in freedom. Yep. But um, I've We're talked a to democratic se- society for a start. I know. I've talked to uh, senior sergeants. I'm not going to name them. And they've told me things in confidence and said, Brett, I can't say that publicly. I'll lose my job. I've got nurses, same thing. Like, we got to let these people speak freely because those people know what's going on. And you know who the state doesn't talk to, who would probably be the best people to talk to. And I, I don't know about the rest of the state, but here on the northern beaches where I, I do keep my finger yeah, on the pulse, yeah. teachers and principals, they know who the kids, the families that are doing it tough. They know everything about these kids, the guidance counsellors do. They sure do. They don't, and, and they're telling me, these principals and deputy principals and stuff at multiple schools, they're not getting asked. They're not getting asked, how can we help from the state? Why isn't the state asking the people on the ground? Well, they took the power away from teachers and, and principals to discipline the kids mm. in a proper way. I used to get the cane. I was well, in, I, I was in I Western Australia. I can see that. <laughs> I can imagine that. But you're not scarred by it. No. And it puts you on the straight and narrow. Oh, my dad used to use they the, took the that too, all, yeah. I, I don't, I'm not condoning uh, violence against kids. Actually, I, I copped well, it a few times. Yeah, I don't think it's violence. If you've done something wrong, like, I, I you, you know, it, spare the rods, yeah, spoil the child, the, should, as they say. Should, council, should councils be responsible for... Uh, law and order. I don't think the council should I'm be. I'm a ratepayer. Yeah, unless... I want you to keep my streets clean, keep the rubbish, yeah. keep the rates down, supply the services. That's right. If we, if they want to fund us to do it, we can do it, but that's a huge, it's a huge uh, burden, a huge cost. So I don't think council should be in that space. And council have been uh, on, the, on the stage talking about it, bringing it out in the open and so forth, because our local members were completely silent and remain silent. And yet we've got our councillors talking about law and order. We're spending $3.5 million, have been for years, in the city um, to try and keep the CBD safer. And now we're expanding a program, which is, I think it's just over a million dollars a year, and we're going out into the suburbs. So we are stepping into this space. We haven't got the powers that police have, which is the other thing. But we are just trying to get out there. These guys have got body cameras. We'll have body cameras on them. It'll start any day now, actually, any any day. We have to hire the right people. They'll be out there with body cameras, direct lines to the police, direct lines to the CCTV room. And the reason we're stepping in this space, which we shouldn't be in, is because these slack bastards in Brisbane aren't doing their job. So your jewel in the crown in your your area is Palm Cove, without a doubt. Yep. So the problems that the CBD have now, if that gets into the main street of Palm Cove... Oh, They're going to be coming after you. And they will be. It's not, like I said, it's not as bad out in the beaches as it is in other suburbs, but it's getting worse. But give it time yeah. if they don't nip it in the butt. Yeah, there's been break-ins, there's been cars stolen, there's been break-ins at pharmacies. So the, the crime's out there. Yeah. And But the, but I keep getting told the, by officers... The per- perpetrators are not in your no, area. They, they come They're from, coming yeah. from outside. Yeah, they do. And where I live, in Earlville... They come flying past our house at 4am in the morning. We know where they've come from. Mm. Yeah, no, that's right. They steal a car, go for a joyride, come out of the beaches, steal some stuff and go, and, and it's getting worse. So I'm like, let's nip it in the bud or let's... 
if anyone just comes up with a plan, and this is what the thing is about the LNP, like I, I should throw darts at the government all the time because they're in they're in power. The opposition is not in power, but David Christofulli, he's only just started coming out now and, and dropping little hints of what he wants to do. And I asked some of my LNP, i got mates that are still in the LNP, and I said, why the hell is he not coming out with policies? And you know what they told me? Whether this is true or not, because I didn't hear from David, but I heard it from them. They said, well... He doesn't want to release what he's doing because Labor might steal it and make it their own. And I'm like, if it's a good policy and they steal it, who cares? We get a good outcome for the community. <laughs> you dipshit. Like, a cricket's Christopher Foley is what some of my mates call him. And I'm like, I don't know if he's going to be any better, but you know what? Um, they say politicians are like nappies. They should be changed often and usually for the same reason. But they've actually put the government on notice. They, they have And now, the media yeah. have got right behind it. The media have not let up on the crime crisis. Yeah, I say to people all the time, get rid of these knuckleheads that have done nothing. And if the, next, if the next people come in, do nothing, get rid of them again. And when you get a good one, then back them and keep them in. It doesn't, don't care, don't matter what colour shirt they wear. I hate this tribalism in our country. Yeah. He's got a blue shirt, I'm going to vote for him. She's got a red shirt, I'm going to go vote for her. What about the person? No, no, but I like this Premier. You don't get to, to vote for the Premier or the Prime Minister. The, I just don't understand this tribalism we have. Or My, my parents always voted this way. I, I just If people would just try and get better people in at, at the bottom level then they'll start picking better leaders at the top and it's not going to happen in one... attract better people. Attract better people. It's not going to happen in one election cycle, but if, if we can get a few percent every election start voting this way for good people, if who cares if they're wearing a red shirt and they're a good person, vote for them. If they're in a green shirt, they're a good person, community-minded, vote for them. But you've got to find out who they are and if, if they get in, they're not a good person, kick them out until you get a good one. So are you ruling out a political career post councillor? I, I am really disillusioned with the, with the way our, our country is set up um, after what I saw. And I, it's maybe in a couple of years I'll think, oh, maybe, because, you know, I was really fired up. One person can make a difference, this and that. But what I saw is it's not, the, it's, it's a corporation. Mm. And it's, it's not the politicians who are making the calls. And, um, and it might not even be the bureaucrats. Because, like, you know, when politicians change, your bureaucrats don't. don't. Your director general no, and everything. Right. Yep. I think the minister for Main Roads a couple of years ago was on three hundred or three hundred fifty thousand a year, and the director general for Main Roads on seven hundred thousand a year. So, and then when if, if the election was lost, the director general stays, and maybe he gets a different portfolio. But that's a powerful position that uh, Department of Main Roads. Oh, it really is, and, it's, and maybe he earns the money. I'm just saying he's got more power than the minister, but. The, the councillors at the council level, ministers and elected MPs at state and federal level, they're the, they're the voice of the people. So when I come out and call out what I think's wrong, I'm not complaining because I'm like, oh, woe is me. I'm worried about every time they try and silence us elected people, what they're doing is silencing you, the public. And I'm like, guys, if it's not me I'm worried about. I'm still getting paid and I still mm. think I'm going to win this next election because I'm going to work my ass off and I'm doing a good job. So I'm not worried about me. The reason I'm carrying on about it is because I want you guys to pay attention because every time they silence us, they're, they're silencing you. So what's on your ticket for the next election? Um, well, I, there's a few projects I really want, and some of the ones we have to collaborate. Have you released those yet? Yeah, no, I haven't yet. I haven't released them. I will do it after Christmas because I'm going to have a Christmas David break. Will fully release them for you? Hey, yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, no, mine is like, because we've already got our budgets, our 10-year budgets written. Sure. And the three years pretty much a stock. That's what you're going to get. But a lot of my projects are advocacy projects, like the Smithfield Mountain Bikes. I know it's not Division 9, but a lot of people from Division 9 want to ride there. We need 100 kilometres of tracks. We've only got about 35, 32 to 35 kilometres. You won't get people coming and staying for a week there, and that's what we need. The Wongetti Trail needs to happen. We've got a master plan for Ellis Beach that will be coming so out you, soon. So you're in favour of the Wongetti Trail? Oh, a million percent. I love, and I know there's no such thing as million percent, whatever. I, yeah, everything in me. We need one, one, I want to use it selfishly for myself and my kids. Two, the amount of tourism that'll bring to the area. It's. I've talked to Glenn Jacobs, who this was his brainchild, and he goes, when you get up on those Rex Ranges, Brett, 
it's 100 times better than driving when you're up there. You've got 360 degree views. No, I'm 100%. I love that whole concept and we need it to happen faster. But that's a different type of clientele, those mountain bikers and hikers to the Smithfield Park. And Crankworks is doing really good things at the mm. moment. We've got them. Hopefully, I think we're going to have them forever. Uh, there's, a f- you know, there's a few things we've got to get done there at the start. They want some more money because this track has to get set up and put back up every year. It's not a solid that stays there. Um, but, yeah, but so advocacy projects yep. um, for, for mountain biking and tourism. we got our different road connections and more footpaths. And uh, there's a few other little sneaky things I'll come out with next year. But, like I said, like it's... The, the the budgets are pretty much set sure. and only a few things will float in sure. and float out. Do you remember the uh, front page of the Cairns Post a couple of years ago uh, had a crocodile in a stinger net? Yes. I think it was Kawara or it might have been... Clifton, well, we get them in there occasionally was, at yeah. all the nets, yeah. What, when you saw that, what did you immediately think? I'm, I'm just sick of these state government telling us that crocodiles have more rights than humans um, or anyone, even some people, locals, they, they're really loud out there. They're a minority, though. I can tell you, I work my butt off, I door knock, and I don't bring controversial stuff up because I don't know if it's a neo-Nazi, a long-haired, tree-hugging hippie. I don't know who's answering the door. So I'm very you know, mundane. I'm like, hey, where are the, op- the opportunities here that you see for improvement for council? Where, what do you like that council's doing? I ask questions like that and let them tell me. I'm telling you, in the, where I live in the Northern Beaches, most people want something done about these crocodiles. That's why I came out so strong about it. And so the majority of people, I know I'm on their side. It, 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 that was my heading because the management plan, the crocodile management plan is actually a good plan, but it's been, um, it's it's done in a retroactively. So someone sees a crocodile, calls up, then they'll go out and put a sign down and try and catch it. We need to be proactive. The state government need more ranges on the ground and they've got more financing now. They've got millions more financing than they had back in 2016. I keep saying, guys... Let's go out there. We're all a zone A, which mm. we used to be called zone one. Now it's zone A. They, they made a change. And what did you do? You did nothing except confuse people. But if you go out there proactively every single day, checking out the estuaries at our swimming beaches, because the state government's got a foot in each camp right now. Yep. They're telling people, no, leave the crocs alone. But they're also telling people, come to our beaches and swim. Exactly. And, and then you've got exactly. Lake Placid, and that's another one that'll come out next year. I'm going to fight really hard yep. with whoever the Division 8 and 6 councillors are and try and get Lake Placid made a, a, an exclusion zone for crocodiles. And uh, whether we put a weir there, whether something else goes on, we need to get that back for our nippers in the off-season to train absolutely. their triathlons. Because you were a part of Surf Life Saving out at Ellis Beach. I was the president of the You must yeah. be absolutely wrapped to see what Tom Headley's done with, with the Ellis Beach He's got a knack. Cafe. He's got a knack for what Hasn't he's doing he? with pubs and cafes. And also he's got the uh, caravan park there. And, mate, they've got concerts. He is, he's a doer. Some people have a go at Tom every now and then for this and that. Mate. I like him. He he gets in, he spends his own money, and he gets, makes things happen. He doesn't sit back and whinge and everything else. He just goes. I love it. Well, if you go out there any day... Now it is absolutely packed. Weekends. Oh, he, they you, fly you in those tribute. He's got he's got this guy Marty that works for him there, yep. and his baby is to get all these tribute bands up. And I've been and seen the Foo Fighter tribute band, the Gold Chisel. I saw um, Credence Clearwater the other night. And what happens? They go stay at his caravan park as well, so they have a few drinks, and they they can be louder than they can be at Trinity Beach and everywhere else because they haven't got neighbours. So no, Ellis Beach Bar and Grill is going great. The Surf Club, which, well, I can announce that because it's been announced uh, last week. We are moving that across the other side of the highway. That has been something I personally put a lot of hard work into from 2016. Warren Ench, to his credit, he fought for that too. Um, $3.5 million he, they put in from the federal government, which was one of his election promises. You know what's funny is that ended up, I heard that was, you know, the Bridget McKenzie um, sports routes. I think that might have been one rolled up in right, there. So right. I was like, what the hell was? But anyway, it was, um, so we're going to move that and that's going to happen. We're going to break dirt here next year. Fantastic. Just before you go, so uh, November, uh, March 16 is election day, 2024. Yep. 
you'll be, you'll be running for your third term. What does it actually mean for you to notch up your third term personally? Oh, oh personally, it'll be an achievement. I, I never thought about running for council. I just I was the president of the tennis club out at Clifton Beach. I was like I said, I grew up here myself, and then I went and lived in America for almost ten years. I travelled through Europe and Asia, met a girl in Texas, fell in love. Our three boys are born in Dallas. Our daughter's born back here. We came back in two thousand eleven, and when I came back, it wasn't the same for my kids growing up as it was for me. It was more dangerous, more more traffic, and and the, and nothing had been increased. The infrastructure was still the same crap that we got put in by Tom Pine in Mulgrave Shire days. So I was like, who's the local councillor here? And when I met him, I just didn't think he was doing a very good job. So uh, I thought, well, I'll just support whoever else is running. And then I found out the other two people that were running, when they came and introduced themselves to me because I was the president of a, of a sporting club, and I asked them simple questions like, what's a councillor do? What do you think? Blank looks on their heads. And then I said, um, where do you live? Do you live in Clifton, Quarra? One lived in Machins, one lived in Trinity Park. In, uh, and, and then the incumbent, I found out, lived in Division 8. All of them lived in Division 8. And I was having a whinge with my wife and a mate one night after over a beer. And I said, how come no one that lives in Division 9 wants to take care of Division 9? Because whose backyard do you take care of more, Jay? Yours or your neighbours? You take care of your own backyard, right? Mm, first, and yeah. my mate started grinning. And I said, what? And he goes going to sit here and bore us about it? You're going to do something about it. <laughs> and I didn't decide that night, but I decided to run. So I ne- it was never, and I, like I said, I ran a seven-week program. And then when I got into council and found out it's not just rates, roads and rubbish, we do a lot of stuff in the community, sure. great yeah. stuff. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is a big job. So personally, the, the, the years, whether I win or lose, like I, I'm happy. The eight years has been so great, big learning. If I get in again, it's going to be more of the same, guys. Like, I, I do. I love it. I, I'm at everything I can get to. Um, I'm trying to help all the sporting clubs with their master plans, delivering on those. So uh, it's not really – I don't have any milestones in mind. I um, – you yeah, work for the people, Brett. Yeah, I do. I work for people, and I, so I don't really think about, oh, yeah, I'll clock up 10 years. But not just ratepayers. You work for the whole... The whole of Cairns, like whole, whole of your division. I, Every I, person's important to you. 100% they are. I get people calling me up that don't like me at all, and I'll still go to the house and help them. I just, I'm, I'm paid to do that. That's my. That's the job I've taken on. You do cop a lot of flack when you're an elected person too. Like, personally, people call you up and say mean things and get on Facebook and say really mean things. But you have to have thick skin, but it's like I took on this role knowing that that was part of it. And, um, and that's what I say to friends of mine. They say, oh, they're thinking of running. And I'm like, just be ready. Get some thick skin because now you're a public person. You're putting yourself out there. There are some really mean people out there that will type things on a, on a computer that they would yeah. never say to your face. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you've got to learn sometimes to not take it personally. Some things do stick. You're like, you can't help but to take personally. But um, but that, that's like 1% or 2% of these uh, of these wankers. 99% of the people out there are just awesome, and I love what I do. Yeah, it's And fantastic. I do it for them. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you with us this afternoon. Councillor Brett Olds running for... Division 9 again <laughs> in March. Because uh, you've actually got, we've got a, a Brett in Division 1, we've got a, a Brett in Division, li- Division the 9. So yeah. you're the bookends. But no, I think you do a wonderful job. You know, you've got probably the best job in Australia, really, yeah, at I the do. destination that you're at. So congratulations. Wish you all the best. Thanks for coming in. We hope to see you again. Yeah, no, I'll be, I'm always around. And hopefully I'm still around after March 16th, 2024. We'll get you back <laughs> before the next election. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Brett. One-on-one conversations, roundtable discussions, news and views. You're listening to the Insights Cans podcast.